morning. I'm really glad all of you are here this morning in the sanctuary. But let me ask you this question. Why did you come to church today? Why? I just heard the answer. So if you, about, you think about it for a moment, and I'm sure you, you'll respond the same as what I just heard. I'm here to worship God. This is a, a standard answer. But whether you say so or not, most of us come to church for a lot of different reasons. Probably the most general reason that we come to church is that we would say that we get a lot out of it. We enjoy the music. We enjoy the fellowship. And some of you even enjoy the sermon. And every week... And every weekend, you know, an estimated uh, about 100 million Americans attend church or synagogues, presumably because they think worship is important. What, is, uh, what the weekly service does is to enable us to focus on God. When that happens, some wonderful things occur. Focusing on God provides perspective to face our problems. Uh, it uplifts, it strengthens us for the coming the rest of the week. It enables us to establish sound values and beliefs. It also draws seekers to Christ. It's where interest in enjoying such benefit, we need to understand what worship really is. And we need to have the proper attitudes of worship. I want to thank Nathan and the worship team earlier. Really, they picked, they chose all the songs that I really I asked for, really, and to help to set the tone, the stage for this morning's message. Charles Spurgeon, he once said, I believe a very large majority of churchgoers are merely unthinking, slumbering worshipers of an unknown God. And then Douglas Bauer, a seasoned American pastor and former senior pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Wheaton, Illinois, he said, Worship is not and never has been something people attend in order to be entertained or fed. Worship can be entertaining. Worship can be richly nourishing. I have pleasant memories of worship being both of those things to me. But those are not the reasons God calls us to worship. And this morning we'll spend time to talk about worship. And it is really my prayer that in the end that you will have a personal breakthrough in worship. What is worship anyway? What is the meaning of worship? First of all, let me point out that what uh, worship is not. Worship is not like attending a concert, a song, one song after another. Worship is not like attending a show or performance. Worship is not about personal gain. 
what I can gain from it or whether it makes me feel good. Worship is not about me. Worship is not merely about preaching or learning from the sermon either. Tim Keller, he said, merely learning truth, learning a truth about God is education, not worship. When we look at today's worship program, we see various activities, making announcements and welcome, welcoming worshipers is an activity. Singing is an activity. Praying is an activity. Reading the scripture is an activity. In addition, worship is not the amount you place in the offering box or the offering bag. And also, just taking Holy Communion is not worship by itself. These activities or elements certainly can lead us, help us when we come to worship. However, they themselves, they are not worship. They do not define what true worship really is. Urban Luxor, former senior pastor of the historic Moody Church in downtown Chicago, he said, if we haven't learned to be worshipers, it doesn't really matter how well we do anything else. And John stopped. He said the following about worship and churches. And he said, Christians believe that true worship is the highest and noblest activity of church, uh, of which man, by the grace of God, is capable. While this is true, but at the same time, it highlights what is perhaps the greatest shortcoming of the evangelical church in America today, where many churches, true worship is almost non-existent, and many have abandoned true worship entirely. Then what is worship, or what is true worship? Let's look at Romans chapter 12, uh, a familiar first two verses. Here Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Here, the Apostle Paul described what true worship is. In this passage, uh, these two verses contain all the elements of true worship. First, there is this motivation to worship, the mercies of God. God's mercies are everything He has given us that we don't deserve. His love, His grace, eternal life, forgiveness, reconciliation, comfort, strength, wisdom, hope, patience, kindness, righteousness, and much more. 
the knowledge and understanding of these indescribable gifts motivate us to come before Him with praise and thanksgiving. In other words, worship. Next, the passage describes the manner of our worship. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Presenting our bodies means giving to God all of ourselves. The reference to our bodies here means all human faculties, all of our hearts, minds, hands, thoughts, desire, attitudes are to be presented to God. In other words, we are to give up control of these things and turn them over to God just as a literal uh, sacrifice given to God on the altar. This passage, this passage also addresses how we worship and by the renewal of our minds. We renew our minds by the Word of God and also by His wisdom. In fact, we need to renew our minds by cleansing our minds of the world's wisdom and replacing it with the wisdom that comes from God. And please note that we worship Him with our renewed and cleansed minds, not with our emotion, not with our emotions. Emotions are good. They're good things. But unless they are shaped by a mind saturated in truth, in God's truth, they can be out of control and even destructive. True worship is God or Christ-centered worship. People tend to get caught up in where they should worship, what music they should sing in worship, and how their worship looks to other people. Focusing on these things would only distract us, distract Christians from focusing God. And then talk about distraction. I'm not sure you, you, you saw this commercial TV ad. It reminded me of the, this woman in the, the Lexus TV commercial years ago. On Christmas morning, she found out a full-size, uh, this luxury SUV in her living room. The vehicle is topped with a gigantic, gigantic, picture-perfect ribbon. And then turning to her husband, and when, you know what she asked her husband? Honey, where did you get this bow that big? Where did you get it from, this ribbon? She has a, full, a fully equipped SUV in her living room, yet she is transfixed by an ornament. A decoration has distracted her from the real misery. When it comes to worship God, Christians can be distracted by worship activities and become less focused on God. A.W. Tozer once said, Strange things are happening all around us in Christian circles because we are truly not worshipers. For instance, any untrained, unprepared, 
unspiritual, empty rattle trap of a person can start something religious and find plenty of followers who will listen and promote it. Beyond that, it may become very evident that he or she had never heard from God in the first place. Because we are not truly worshipers, we spend a lot of time in the church, in the churches, just spinning our wheels, making a noise that not getting anywhere. I would rather worship God than do any other thing I know of in all this wide world. Let me also point out that true worship is not confined to what we do here at church, or even open praise. Although, don't get me wrong, these things are both good, and they are told in the Bible to do so. True worship is the acknowledgement of God and all His power and glory in everything we do. True worship, in other words, is defined by priority we place on who God is in our lives and where God is on our list, on our priority list. True worship is a matter of heart expressed through a lifestyle of holiness. If God is the focus in our lives, our lives should express the beauty of holiness through an extravagant or exaggerated love for God. Jesus tells us that true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth, which I'll go over a little bit more later. This means we worship from the heart and the way God has designed. Worship can, can include praying, reading God's word with an open heart, singing, participating in communion, and serving our community. It is not limited to one act, but is done properly when the attitudes of the person, of the person are in the right place. So what are the proper attitudes of worship then? Before I address that question, let us go over the improper attitudes of worship. Today we live in a, the indiv individualistic society. We are affected by a consumer mindset of our culture. That is, to meet me at my point of need. This is self-centered and it deeply affects our attitudes toward worship the following ways. Get it, and get it quick approach to life. More comfort and convenience. Change the service rather than change my attitude. Driving sermon and drive through communion. Maybe that's a little bit too much. Shorter the, the sermon or shorter the, the worship service. How often do we hear Christians say, I did not get anything out of today's worship? If you are one of those who oftentimes make that remark, I would like to invite you to ask yourself the following questions. Do I treat 
worship as a means or place to socialize. I come to worship because I have to. My parents make me, or my spouse makes me, or my pastors make me. Do I come to worship because I serve in the worship team? It is my turn to do usher, to be usher, or my turn to teach Sunday school. Do I place greater emphasis on the worship meeting itself than God Himself? Do I treat worship like a periodic spiritual tune-up? Do I treat worship as a ritual, or a routine, or a habit? Now, don't get me wrong. For instance, habit. Habit can be a good thing. By performing the same activities repeatedly, can help us to be familiar and gain a quicker and better understanding of a certain things. In the end, we benefit from it. For example, the habit of reading the Word of God, reading the Bible daily, can help us to know God better. On the other hand, a habit can cause us to just repeatedly or routinely doing a certain thing without thinking what, what, and why we are doing it. And the end result is no breakthrough. Is worship merely like a habit or routine to you? Is that, if that's the case, think again. I pray that you gain a breakthrough in worship this morning so that you can be a true worshiper. Then what are the proper attitudes of worship? First, worship God in spirit and in truth. Here, the book of John, chapter 4, verses 23 and 23. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Chapter 4 of this book of John is the most comprehensive passage in the entire New Testament on worship. Jesus begins to discuss with an outcast, uh, immoral uh, Samaritan woman, the only worship that is acceptable to God. In his discussion with the woman, the Lord Jesus makes it clear that worship was and is an issue of the heart. Jesus said, true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and truth. He says, the Father is seeking such to worship Him. He says that God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And to worship God in spirit and truth means to worship God as we ought to worship Him by a humble and true adoration of spirit in the depth and center of our soul. It means that our worship should be in honesty and integrity, spiritual, full of compassion, and engaging the whole person. And let's learn from the psalmist, Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, 
Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and, he, and, and we are His. We are His people. And the sheep of His, pres, uh, his pr- uh, pasture enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. Until, we, until you stop coming to worship as if you have to see God, you'll never know what the psalmist is talking about. He said it ought to be your delight to come, to come up into God's face and enjoy His presence. It presupposes a relationship that makes you want to be there. So, dear friends, when we worship God, we ought to come with a certain gladness of heart because God is God. What are the proper attitudes of worship? Second, worship God by living an obedient life. Worship is a lifestyle of obedience. When the Bible talks about worship, it does not just refer to one's attitudes and feelings. More so, it also refers to one's lifestyle. Today, many Christians oftentimes treat worship as a physical act to get closer to God. For example, some Christians would treat the act of kneeling down as worship. Now, don't get me wrong. Kneeling down can show one's humility before God. However, it does not represent true meaning of worship. When the Bible talks about worship, it demands us to live an obedient life, not a religious life. In the book of Amos, chapter 5, verse 21 to 23, I hate, I despise, your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies, even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them, and the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs, to the melody of your harps, I will not listen. Why did God say that? Did God Did God love to see His people come before Him? Was it not God uh, instructed them, the Israelites, to worship Him using the word, this worship format? The truth to the matter is, the Israelites were scolded by God because they did not care about sinning against Him. They did not care about God's righteousness. They thought, Well, it doesn't matter how we live our life. We just want to make sure that we attend the assemblies. We just want to make sure that we bring Him our offerings. How wrong were these Israelites? The scope of these verses is to show how little God valued the shows of devotion and how much He detested them. 
while they went on in their life, went on with their sinful life. So, dear brothers and sisters, regardless what church meeting you attend, regardless what you bring to God, if you do not live a life worthy of the calling you have received, then what you labor, what you're doing, is in vain, is meaningless. If you could care less about sin in your daily life, you also could care less about God in your life. So, dear brothers and sisters, let us worship God by living an obedient life. In conclusion, let's look at First Samuel chapter fifteen, verse twenty-two. And Samuel said, "Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams." So, dear brothers and sisters, true worship is from our heart, and we need to worship our God in spirit and in truth. And then, back it up with our daily, our lifestyle of obedience. Before I close, I just want to share with you my soup story. After all, today we we're having our first Super Bowl Sunday. I got to I got to say this. I got to share this with you. If you don't know me, you can ask my wife Yvonne. I love drinking soup. I love it, especially Lu Fu Tong, Lao Huo Tang, and I translate the old fire soup. What is old fire soup? And this is kind of soup. Basically, it's herbal soup, and it takes a long time to prepare, hours, and even whole day, or even more than a day. And you know what? Supposedly. It heals the mind, the body, and soul as well. But anyway, preparing this old fire soup—it takes a long time. And Yvonne would put in hunks of meat into the pot, preparing it along with Chinese dates, jujubes, a dry Chinese yam, other Chinese herb, and all kinds of good stuff. And you would bring. And then after you do that, and then you would start cooking it, and you would begin to smell it. I remember one time I smelled it, and then I, all of a sudden, I had this urge, I had this crave for soup. So I went in the kitchen and I asked her for some, and she said, "No, no, 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 it's not ready yet. You have it. You have to wait. You can have it later for dinner." And then came dinner time. We would sit down, and Yvonne would set this big bowl of soup, old fire soup, on the table, and then the steam would rise off from of it, and it smelled so good. And you could put your face over it. Can you smell it? <laughs> Can you smell it? It's good. And you would take, and then we would take our spoons and would dip in there. It was just wonderful. Of course, we have this、uh, Super Bowl later. I don't know what you're bringing, <laughs> what kind of soup you're bringing, but、uh, let me ask you: If you bring some old fire soup, let me know. <laughs>
you know, back to my soup story. Why is it that we had to wait hours or even day or days on this soup? The answer is, it needed to simmer so we get all the juices out of the ingredients. And then uh, they all mix together. And that's what brings forth uh, the good aroma. And when you taste it, you're getting the best of what's in each ingredient. So dear brothers and sisters, that's the way we ought to look at corporate worship, like Sunday worship. That's how we ought to look at it that way here in CFC. Sunday morning is the culmination of people who have been simmering all week in the presence of God daily. When we simmer every day during the week in the presence of God and then come on Sunday morning, we mix all of it together. There's an aroma and a smell of the grace and the goodness of God that lives up to heaven. And God pulls off the lid and goes, hmm, that's my people in CFC. That's worship. Can we do that? Certainly we can do that. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come together this morning, we worship you, we give thanks to you, for you are good. Your love endures forever, and we want to praise you. Lord, among the nations, we sing of you among the peoples, for great is your love, higher than heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Father God, accept our worship this morning. Help us to worship you in spirit and in truth and back it up with a daily style of obedience. Thank you for listening to our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.